it's been a while since I've done this, so if I get my tang tangled, you'll have to bear with me a little bit here. Let me get you, if you would, to open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. While you're doing that, I will tell you how grateful I am to have the chance to speak to you this evening. It's, like I said, it's been a while, but I'm, I, I like doing this, so we'll see if I can remember how to do it. Um, I want us to begin this evening by reading in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, we'll start reading in verses 4 through 10. Scripture says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah was a prophet of God. During his lifetime, he saw the Assyrians, who had once been the powerful and feared enemies of Israel and Judah, crumble and fall. He also warned God's people that disaster would come to them because of their infidelity. And he saw that prophecy fulfilled when Jerusalem was destroyed by the armies of Babylon. Jeremiah had pled with God's people to repent. But he was seen as a troublemaker by the rulers of Judah. He foretold of the captivity in Babylon. He even told them that when it happened, it would last for 70 years And that captivity occurred exactly as Jeremiah had foretold. Another thing we see in these verses is that Jeremiah wasn't really all that eager to be God's prophet. He says of himself, he didn't know how to speak. He was too young. He he, he was not the right person for this. God tells him not to be afraid. Now, that's not unusual in the scriptures. There are other men who weren't terribly eager for the job of prophet either. Moses claimed that he wasn't eloquent enough. Uh, People wouldn't listen to him. He knew that. Jonah was told to preach to Nineveh. We know what he did. He got on a ship and tried to flee from God. Elijah seemed to be willing to abandon his duties as God's prophet when he heard that Jezebel was after him. But whatever reservations Jeremiah might have had, God chose him. God appointed him. And Jeremiah served God faithfully. If evening, what I want us to think about is the call of Jeremiah in the hope that there are maybe some things in these verses that might be helpful to us as we endeavor to serve God in our life. Now, I want us to start by thinking about what verse 5 tells us about the omniscience of God. God tells Jeremiah that he knew him before he was formed in the womb. What does that mean? 
I don't think that it just means that God knew that a man named Jeremiah was going to be born. I would submit to you that it means God already knew that Jeremiah had, was going to have the ability to do what he wanted him to do. God already knew what Jeremiah was going to do. And God knew all of this before Jeremiah had even been conceived. What does that mean to us? I mean, we're not called to be prophets like Jeremiah was. We are human beings created in God's image just like Jeremiah was. And I would submit to you that God knows each and every one of us absolutely as thoroughly as he knew Jeremiah before he was born. He knows our abilities and our limitations. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows everything about us, and he always has. He always has. Matthew chapter 6, in verses 6 through 8, we can read these words. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use a meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then if you'd move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, a familiar verse, I think, to most of us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. God knows what each and every one of us is suited for. He knew Jeremiah was the one to whom he should give this task of being a prophet to the nations. In a similar way, he has appointed us to become like Jesus, to follow in his steps. Romans 8, verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. No, God did not choose specific individuals by name, but he already knew who would obey the gospel, who would receive it and obey it, and those who would not. He knew about those who would make every effort to follow in the Savior's steps. Well, Jeremiah accepted God's calling, didn't he? The question that we want to ask ourselves first, I guess, this evening is, have we? Have we accepted the calling of God? It's an important question. I think it's a very important question because one thing is really very clear when it comes to accepting an appointment from God. And that is that God doesn't accept excuses. Look at verse 6. Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. (laughs) What did that have to do with it? I mean, we might have responded in the same way no matter how old we were, I guess. That's putting a huge responsibility on Jeremiah. And if Jeremiah had known the full extent of the suffering that he was going to face as God's prophet, he might have even objected more strenuously than he did. But God had already answered that objection by revealing to Jeremiah that he knew him. He knew 
what Jeremiah could do. And he knew what Jeremiah would do. He had always known it. He's already seen it. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we may feel some anxieties like those that Jeremiah had. Sometimes we face difficulties and we're anxious about things, anxious about the future. Can we, can we continue living the kind of life that God would have us to live when the road ahead looks really rough, hard. There are examples in Scripture of those who did. There were were lots of folks who saw themselves as unfit to serve God, but with God's help, they accomplished remarkable things. Moses led God's people out of bondage. Jonah preached to Nineveh, And the people in that pagan city repented. Gideon didn't see himself as a really valiant warrior, but that's what he's called by God in Judges 6 and verse 12. And he ended up winning a decisive victory over a Midianite army, leading 300 men. Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter suggests that the Lord should depart from him because he was a sinful man. Well, Peter was a sinful man. But he was also a man who could learn from him to turn away from sin, just as we are able to do that. He was a man who could help others learn to do that. He, could, he was a man who could help others learn how to walk in the steps of the Savior. Look, look if you would, over in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, let's read what Jesus says to Peter, starting in verse 31. Luke 22, starting in verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied three times that you know me. I'm not suggesting that the Lord chuckled like that, but it's, it's, it's really kind of humorous if you think about it. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him, but he also knew Peter was going to turn back to him. I don't know if we can imagine what we would have felt like if we had been the one who denied the Lord. I would imagine that we would have felt completely unworthy to be a disciple of his. Why in the world would he have anything to do with us after we've done that? That's not how he treated Peter. Peter wasn't discarded. Jesus appointed Peter for a task. And Peter, who at one time denied he knew Jesus, preached the first gospel sermon. And we can read in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 and 41, about how about 3,000 people were baptized. 3,000 people. There are many examples of those who had confidence that they could do remarkable things because God was with them. Joshua, who led God's people into the promised land. David, who bested Goliath. Daniel, who survived being thrown into a lion's den because he refused to to obey the command of Darius to refrain from addressing any god or human other than the king of Syria. 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who survived being thrown into a furnace of burning fire. And it would take far more time than we have to talk about all the things that the apostles of Jesus accomplished. So let's think about this. If the word of God has touched our heart, and we've decided to follow him, then we can do remarkable things. Now, I'm not talking about miracles, but I'm talking about being able to change our life, to resist our sinful desires, to cultivate a peace that enables us to endure things that before would have made us lose our mind, to be a blessing to others in ways we wouldn't have thought possible before. In Matthew 17 and verse 20, Jesus tells his disciples that if they had faith the size of a mustard seed, how big is a mustard seed? It's pretty small, right? They could move mountains. The apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Hebrews 13, verse 5, the Lord promises, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. The truth is, there is no excuse for failing to become what the Lord wants us to be. Challenging? Absolutely. It certainly is. But we can do it. We have the ability to do it. How, we might wonder, how can I do that? Well, remember back in verse 6, Jeremiah tried to refuse Jesus' appointment, I'm sorry, God's appointment because of his youth. I want to read verses 7 and 8 now. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth. But everywhere I send you, you will go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah contended he was only a youth, but what did that have to do with it? Jeremiah might have expected that no one would listen to him, that they might resent him, they might ridicule him for claiming that he was speaking for God. And he was right, they did. There were those that humiliated him and resented him. But his duty was to obey God. God commanded him to go where he would send him and to speak the words that he commanded him to speak. And that's exactly what he did. Now in that... We are kind of like Jeremiah. Even today, the Lord expects disciples to go where he sends, and he expects for them to speak that which he commands. After his resurrection, Jesus said to his apostles in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. We have good preachers, good Bible class teachers who teach us the word of God. We're so blessed to have them. But all Christians are charged with this responsibility to reach out, to reach out with the gospel to reach out with the gospel to those who have not heard it as we have opportunity. It's clear that those who were taught by the apostles were to observe all the Lord had commanded the apostles themselves to do. And that includes the responsibility to reach out with God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, the apostle Paul gives Timothy this charge. The things which you have heard from me 
in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We are charged to do this. We are appointed to do this. Consider the admonishment given to the brethren addressed in Hebrews 5 and verse 12 where the scripture says, by this time you ought to be teachers. That's what we're expected to be eventually. We might not feel like we have the ability to teach and maybe that's true. If that's the case though, what are we doing about that? What are we doing to try to find a way to do that? To learn how to do that? To get some instruction on how to do that? If we're Christians, we're appointed for that task. What are we going to do? If we claim that, well, I could just never do that. I don't have the ability to do that. Doesn't that sound just a little bit like what Jeremiah was trying to claim? (laughs) What the Lord has appointed us to do, we can do. And we need to do. I want to remind ourselves of two incredibly important things. The first is, remember, God knows us. There is nothing about us that God does not know. There's nothing about us he hasn't always known. And I'm not suggesting we have to be eloquent and sophisticated before we can go out and teach someone what the scriptures teach. All we have to do is tell them what God has said. Whether they reject it or not, God's not going to blame us for that. The power to save is not in us. It's in the word. It's up to us just to share that. Some are going to accept it. Some are going to reject it. He's not going to hold us accountable if, if we can't get through to somebody. He's not going to look down on us with displeasure because someone we tried to reach with the gospel doesn't heed it. I think, I'm right about this, that most of the ones to whom Jeremiah preached wouldn't heed his warnings. He's called the weeping prophet because I think for that very reason, the distress he felt concerning how wicked the nation had become. He writes in Lamentation 2 in verse 11, my eyes fail because of tears. Lamentations 3 verse 48, my eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. He was heartbroken about this. And I highly suspect that in some moments of our life, when we think about the state of things in our world, we probably feel some distress as well. Why things don't need to be this bad? Why are things like this? We may think no one will listen to us. And, and if we try to share the scriptures with them, that they might even be upset with us. And some probably will. Some may. They may call us things. Narrow-minded and arrogant and who knows what. But remember what Jesus told his apostles in John 15. In John 15, verses 18 through 20, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. Slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. There are a lot of people in the world who don't think much of us for trying to teach the words of Christ. But Jeremiah did what God asked him to do. And we have to do the same because God's word has been delivered 
Again, in those first 10 verses of Jeremiah, look at verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God gave Jeremiah the words he wanted him to say. And God has given us the words he wants us to say. Those on whom that were written and, and, and spoken by those on whom the Lord had stretched out his hand and touched their mouth. In 2 Peter 1, in verses 20 and 21, we can read these words. 2 Peter 1, in verses 20 and 21. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. We're also reminded by Paul in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The Bible reveals all that God wants for us to know. So if we preach and teach what the Bible says, we don't have to wonder if we're right or not. We know that we're right. Bible It was written by the apostles and the prophets. The truth has been revealed. The Holy Spirit inspired these writings. Our task is to receive it, to believe it, to obey it, to obey it, and and then there's the work that we must do. Share it. See, I've appointed you this day, verse 10. I've appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. That kind of sums up the mission that we have as proclaimers of God's word. When we confront error, we need to pluck it up or break it down. At other times, we need to build, we need to plant. Now, our work is incomplete if all we do is break down. Our mission requires building. If all we're doing is building, well, then we're not plucking things up. We need to do that too. Our charge is to make known the will of God to the best we can, as best as we have the ability to do it. It's for this we've been appointed. And so that's our part. We just need to do what we need to do. Do the work to which we've been appointed. Well, we began the lesson by thinking about that God has appointed some for salvation. Well, everybody who believes in God wants to be saved. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Everyone who believes in God wants to be saved. But that can't just be an emotional desire. To be saved by God, we have to believe in God, and we have to believe in the words that he has given us. We have to believe what he says. We have to hear him, and we have to obey him. If we are not willing to hear what God says to us in his word, how is it possible that we have faith in him? If we don't believe what he tells us, how can we say we have faith in him? If we believe that God knows us, then our faith should compel us to listen to him. But when some are informed of what the Bible says about being saved, well, they're, they're not sure about that. They're hesitant about that. They're, they're uncertain Because they see that this involves making a commitment to God to live a certain kind of life. And some are not sure if they can do that. Can they really break with the lifestyle they're living and do what God would have them to do? Well, none of us live perfect lives. 
We know that. But with God's help, we can grow spiritually. And we can strive to be more and more than what we are. We can strive to be more and more what God wants us to be. And I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering if maybe there's one or more here today whom God knows. And God has known you since before you were born. Known that the day would come when you would accept his offer of salvation. I'm just wondering if this is the day for someone here when that all happens. How do you do that? Well, God tells us. In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, people ask Peter that question. What should they do to be saved? And he tells them this. He says, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, if there's one here whom God knows, and you know what you need to do in order to truly be saved, maybe today would be the day to do that. In fact, it is the day to do that if you haven't done it yet. This is the day. This is the day to accept his call. Jeremiah accepted the call of God. Most of the people who are here in this building have accepted the call of God. But if there's someone here today who hasn't yet done that, you can do it today. We'd be thrilled to assist you in doing that. And if we can help you, why don't you please respond to that call and and do it now. Please come forward while we stand together and we sing the invitation song.